Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic for today is housing and how a group of residents in a pair of East Akron apartment complexes banded together to form a tenants union after a variety of concerns about their living conditions were going unheard. But first, here's three recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. If you tried to eat out amid the pandemic or even waited in line in a drive-thru, you know you're in for a long wait for your food. It seems that the pandemic has created labor shortages throughout Northeast Ohio and especially in the Akron area. Our reporter Jim McKinnon took a look at what's really behind the shortage of everyone from servers to drive through workers and even waitresses and how some restaurants have had to get sort of creative to meet this rising demand for food, but at a time when there's fewer employees. The ongoing pandemic continues to affect life in a lot of ways, and that's not an exception for some students. It seems that our folks over at the Record Courier reported that medical schools like the Northeast Ohio Medical University in Rootstown, who rely on body donation to help students gain a hands-on understanding of the human anatomy and practice surgical techniques and test procedures, have been impacted. The folks at NeoMed report that cadaver donations are at an all-time low, creating somewhat of a crisis for students. And all good things must come to an end. The epic run by Matt Amodio on Jeopardy has come to an end. After winning 38 games and some million-plus dollars, Amodio lost recently and is now back to his studies at Yale University. I should add that Matt is a graduate of Medina High School and also an Ohio State grad. You can find out more about these stories and much, much more on BeaconJournal.com and all of our various websites and apps, including in the print edition of the Akron Beacon Journal. And now for our spotlight topic. Join us today are the Reverend Ray Green. He's the Executive Director of Freedom Block and Dee McCall, a community organizer with the Black-Led Organizing Collaborative. Dee helped the tenants of the Arlington Wilbeth Homes and the Erickson Apartments in Akron get their union started. Ray has been a staunch advocate for everything from fair housing to voting rights in low-income and African-American communities here in Akron. Also on the call is John Pettit, an attorney who managed a neighborhood law project at the Community Legal Aid. John and his team have worked with the Freedom Block to establish a tenant union after his staff of pro bono attorneys received numerous housing complaints from residents. And lastly, but certainly not least, Beacon Journal reporter Doug Livingston, who has covered this developing story for us. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Well, Doug, let's start with you. Maybe you can help set the stage for, for those who are, who are relatively new to, to this topic and, and, and the developments of the story you've been working on. Sure. So we're talking about a few hundred uh, apartment units in two apartment properties, two rental properties in East Akron on either side of Arlington Street, one in the Erickson Apartments and the other Arlington Wilbeth Homes. And uh, these properties are under private ownership. Redwood Housing Partners purchased uh, both of them in February of this year. 
one from AMHA, the Akron Metropolitan Housing Authority, and, and the other from another private property owner that had previously purchased them from Akron Metropolitan Housing Authority uh, back in 2006. So it's uh, you have um, subsidized housing. A lot of the, the people who live here um, get public housing assistance. So when these properties were sold to private owners, they came really preloaded with tenants who were receiving uh, housing assistance. And um, they came with with some issues, too, with some long time deferred maintenance. Um, you just walk around the properties and I can let the folks on the call here kind of describe what life's like. But um, you see just siding missing on houses. You can see bullet holes from the outside of, of a lot of the apartments. Um, uh, you really can't. You can't walk around or get too far without somebody wanting to to, to describe to you. Um, the dire conditions that they're living with, um, and then, um, so the, uh, the tenants, uh, got together and, and they decided that, and I think Ray and, and John and Dee can speak more to this, that they weren't going to wait on, um, you know, inspectors or government to come to their rescue and they needed to collectively, uh, find a solution. So they formed these tenant unions. Well, I mean, I, I guess my, my first question, not being a, a novice, is, I mean, are tenant unions common in Akron, or is this kind of a, a new thing, or are there others in, in the city? John, do you want to take that, or Ray? I know yeah. yeah, I can start and bring Ray, and Ray's actually been instrumental with uh, helping to form um, a, a tenant union in another uh, housing complex, but uh, I wouldn't say they're they're common, uh, although I do think they're they're growing in um, in in purpose and and you know there, there's more conversations around them and I think tenants as as we talk to them about their rights they're they're much more interested many many tenants uh, and groups don't realize they have the right to do that and be protected um, you know somewhat similar to to the early years of the labor un- union movement to some of the same reasons uh, bad conditions. Uh, difficulties with management, you know, benefits, those type of things are all, all sort of at issue in, in the power imbalances there. And so, so it is relatively new. Uh, the idea of, of tenant unions has been around for a while, but the, the actual existence, um, is, is relatively new and there's few of them, but they are growing. Well, for the novice like me, what, what rights do you get if you form a union? And what is that exactly? I mean, I guess I will say we're we're guild members at the Akron Beacon Journal, and I, I kind of know in the labor force context. But but what does it mean in in terms of a of a housing complex? Go ahead, Bray, if you want to. Yeah, I mean, you know, unionizing a unionizing tenants or citizens or or residents um, ultimately puts the power back into the people's hand. Um, this country is 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 founded on a document um, that says we the people. But that document, what we failed to realize is that document was created um, by landowners. So landowners created the laws that we live in. Um, so when it says we the people, it doesn't really mean the average citizen. It really means landowners. Um, most of your government officials, most of your elected officials, most of your big donors are landowners. So what unionizing does is unionize puts the power back into the people's hands, allows the people to shine a light on the true conditions um of these millionaire um landowners and developers um in 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 um in light of what they're going to in their everyday plight um of unsanitary unsafe unhealthy conditions compared to the people that they're paying rent to 
um, who they never see, who they never get to talk to, who they can never reach out to, um, who allows them to live in the condition that they live in. Um, so unionizing brings people together, gets people out of their out of their shells, out of their silos to see that they're going through the same thing that allows them to form people power to create better conditions for themselves. Now, the, the genesis of these unions was was community legal aid getting a lot of complaints, you know, doors that went in the law, people feeling unsafe, um, just um, some harrowing conditions and complaints that John's um, pro bono's attorneys were receiving. Too many to really handle, I think. Um, and so he, he got uh, Ray involved at, at uh, Freedom Block. And I'm really interested, Dee, if, if you could talk to us about what happened next, how this thing got off the ground and what response and reaction you got from the tenants and the tenants got from management? Um, Just from my experience, I feel as though everyone is sick and tired of being sick and tired. Um, So with that momentum of them just all being tired of feeling the way that they're feeling and experiencing this, um, once uh, Brother Ray and I came along with the coalition, they were just excited that someone wanted to help them and speak on their behalf. Um, When interacting with the management, when I called um, the Wilbur's Homes and when I also called um, Erickson, they weren't the most friendliest people, and they were very secretive as far as who was who. Um, They wouldn't identify their positions, nor um, would they allow us to use those community spaces. Um, Up until we went to the Erickson and we had um, a – a meeting on site outside, then that's when the management would come and we were able to identify when we called the time dates and who we spoke to. And then it was more or less of a, a shock factor as though we're actively following through with what we were actively trying to do. Um, it was a lot of pushback from the management. And even when the Amika would go in or even um, Latanya from the Wilbur's, they would go into the management, they would be rude, and they wouldn't be honored as people who, who deserve a, liv- a livable space. So all in all, everything was truly challenging when I'm trying to figure out why the Wilbits and the Erickson are in the spaces that they're in. That's kind of to the city and to the management. And I, I guess I should take this moment to say that Redwood Housing Partners did reach out to the Beacon Journal after an uh, article published last week. Following the press conference from the tenant unions and Freedom Block and, and Legal Aid um, and the Democratic Socialists uh, um, that, that really announced the formation of these unions, um, and the company uh, was disputing, uh, or they were, I guess they were disappointed in the article, but they didn't really explain what they're disappointed with specifically. So we we're working with them to um, to get a fuller response. Yeah, and I could say, too, in, in kind of response to Craig about, you know, what rights do they have? You know, and you heard Dee talk, you know, that some of these things, they range from the, the smallest of, of just being uh, being able to be heard with their complaints. Uh, so many of the tenants individually on their own can't even find anybody to listen to them. And, and so uh, what we've already accomplished is is that we have got their attention, although we haven't heard back from them, but we know that they've heard us and in, in that uh, now they understand this is not just one person here that they can disregard 
and and play off to somebody else. They 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 have to be responsive now because it's a larger effort, and there's other community partners involved. But and then to the opposite end of of just being heard, if you think about. Ohio's laws don't make it real easy to to escrow your rent if your your apartment's not being repaired and and so but if one person do does that and they navigate that hard uh, process does it really impact that management company who has four or five hundred units um, you know can they can they just easily disregard that but if now if you take 50 of those people or 100 of those people as we have in a different apartment complex in Akron where the elevator wasn't working for months uh one person escrows their rent i don't know that management really cares but if we come to them and say we've got 50 people who are going to escrow their rent all of a sudden you know as we found in the one complex we went out to after we met and talked about organizing that elevator repair company was out there the next day. Is that a step you're considering in this to, to escrow rents? Is that a one-year legal maneuvers? Cer- or, or? Yeah, certainly, um, you know, it, it depends. You know, if, if multiple people have had the same issue and, and you know, there, there's a huge safety concern there. We at Legal Aid have always been, you know, we would get these calls and it's tough because we – one of our goals is to try to help people stabilize their housing. If you don't have housing stability in your life, it's hard to have a whole lot other stability. And so, you know, the, the safety concerns that Doug had mentioned about seeing bullet holes and, you know, I mean, I think that's universal there. And, you know, if you're a property owner or property management company, you know, one of your, your primary obligations is to have a safe place for people to live. And, um, and it, you're, you're kind of mentioned prior that, that, I mean, what were the conditions before the ownership change? It sounds like it wasn't ideal, even under what would be, if you think a safety umbrella, which is a government ownership, that, that maybe these, some of these conditions they, these new owners inherited. Yeah, Dee lived there years ago, right, Dee? And maybe you could talk about that. Yes, I lived in um, the Chesapeake townhomes around the corner from the Erickson, but literally uh, a fence away. And over over time, it it wasn't a good neighborhood. However, in the I spent there four years there, and in the four years, every year has gotten worse. Um, and that's I initially started organizing while I was living over there in that space, like in the Erickson. So. From the time of me original first organizing to now, the situation has been the same but worse now. The same situation four years ago is now worse four years later. And it's just the management has changed, but the problems have truly stayed the same. And to kind of underscore the disrepair over the years, um, Deb, Deb Barry, the uh, executive director of AMHA, the interim director, um, told me that the reason that it was that they sold um, Erickson Apartments in uh, it's February. One of the reasons was that they couldn't keep up with the maintenance, and that there was so much deferred maintenance that they felt that selling to a private company uh, would be the best chance for the the tenants to get repairs to to repair to move forward. And um, there are uh, a couple buildings that were we did see are getting gutted. There's dumpster outside. They're throwing stuff out, but um, there were also residents who used to live in that building who were 
told that um, they told me that they, they 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 had to move or they would be evicted or that they had to sign a new lease or that they would lose their their housing subsidy. Um, their some of their personal possessions like washers and dryers were were taken in the move and put into storage because they were moved into a smaller unit um, and their rent went up. So even how residents are being uh, treated during this relocation process as they as they catch up on repairs um, um that's that's part of the complaint as well but i was wondering if, if um if anybody ray or i know ray you read a list of demands that the unions have um if you could just kind of go over what is it exactly that you want the management company to do today so well f- first of all i want to also say um send apathy um, also plays a, a, a part in this. Um, it's, it's been under previous ownership, um, which makes this so dire need. It's been under previous ownership, but the tenant apathy inside of these low-income apartments are this is what we deserve. Um, and now we have we have crossed the line from this is what we deserve to like this is inhumane, <laughs> like, you know. Um, so so that's why it's been able to stay that way for so long and, and the only way you could get movement on things like this is for the tenants um to step up and we're there we're there to just assist the tenant and ultimately what we're asking for um is first of all immediate end to all harassment and intimidation um when people when you are a landlord and people are telling you that you know these things are unacceptable you do, you do not have the right to intimidate them with eviction um because they don't have the education level that you think they they should have uh, we're asking for a thorough inspection by independent pest control contractor to assess and, point, and, and pinpoint pests, rodent infestation, securing that homes are safe and habitable with appropriate treatment and remediation. Um, you know, these people have rats in their homes and they're, and they're, you know, they're not nasty people, you know, but they're living next to a waste management plant. They're living next to um, airport radiation. Um, all of these things um, provide unsafe and inhabitable conditions. A thorough inspection of all housing units for black mold due to an otherwise environmental hazards that may cause health issues to the residents. Uh, we know what black mold does. We know what all of those environmental issues does. We have a baby dying in one of these apartment complexes already and probably many more that just didn't have the proper um, autopsy to determine that it was these structures that caused their children to die. Um, we're asking for a thorough inspection for structural integrity and a repair of walls, windows, doors, heat. Water access functioning with appropriate inspections for the city and county um, and HUD. Um, ultimately, um, these buildings need to be torn down so um, and, and rebuilt. Um, so we're asking for thorough structural um, um, integrity uh, inspection of these properties. Larger and increased dumpsters with regular trash pickup several times per week as needed. Um, and then relocation um, up tenants to, to, to temporary safe sanitary locations while these things are being addressed. Um, but ultimately, we're asking for a meeting with all parties involved. This isn't just about the management company. This this isn't about the ownership of this property. You know, city council has let this problem exist for over 20 years. County council has let this problem exist for over 20 years. The health department, city and county, has let this problem happen for over 20 years. AMHA, um, should have never sold this property to these people without checking out their background and providing regular checks until they were deemed um, in compliance with AMHA rules. A lot of people has felt these people. Um, and we're just asking for a sit down meeting so we can no longer 
kick the kick the can down a down the street to the next person. But together with the tenants, with all of these people I just named, we can come up with it with an equitable solution that people are being are being treated as human beings and living in equitable, habitable, safe, affordable housing. Well, I guess I'm curious, John, from your perspective, I, I, you know, he mentioned a lot of things. It feels like, you know, it's easy to make the the owner the the boogeyman, right? I mean, but it does feel like we have fire inspectors in the city, we have sanitary inspectors, we have, I mean, they are getting vouchers, you know, that for Medicare. I mean, it feels like maybe the the safety net that you think the public would provide and government has, you know, I mean, it feels like that would be an effective hammer or tool, but have you had much response from the city and the county and, and, and even HUD? Yeah, not really. And I think that's that's where this organizing can be real powerful. You know, if we, we go with with just one person, um, you know, again, it, it just there's there's limited attention here. But when we have we have now a group, I, I think we're going to get more response in in this. The whole as Ray said, this problem has existed for a long time. Um, and, and I think that now now there's a movement that that the tenants feel, you know, they somebody's listening to them because there there's clearly a racial element here to it too. It's no, no surprise that, you know, there's, there's an over-representation of African Americans, uh, you know, uh, females with, with children there. You know, this is where they, you know, it's almost like we, we've made a conscious or unconscious decision to say, they're going to live over there and we know they got problems and, and, um, you know, they have no power. And we're just, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. And, and, uh, thankfully we've got people like Ray and Dee that, that, you know, are out there in our community that, that are helping to engage that community. And, and, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to say, you know, this isn't right, uh, that the, the way, uh, the folks have to live out here. And Craig, speaking from somebody who just, you know, spent a couple of days last week trying to research what's going on over here after the announcement of the, the tenant unions and also covering housing for a few years in Akron, um, it's, you know, there's multiple layers of responsibility and it can be confusing from a researcher's perspective. And so it gets incredibly confusing from a tenant or resident's perspective on who I should call to get what done. Um, so you have the county health department looking into issues of, you know, lead paint or, or unsafe conditions, unhealthy conditions. You have the city looking at housing code compliance. In these particular apartments, they are public housing subsidized. Um, so they, they come with those subsidies that require an inspection. AMHA previously did those inspections. Now Redwood Housing Partners is, is responsible for self-inspecting their properties. And then HUD, the Housing and Urban Development, Department of Housing and Urban Development, um, should also be inspecting them and ensuring that the property owner is in compliance. So there's there's follow-up that's needed to see exactly uh, what's being done. The, the city told me they have six open housing code violations um, for the more than 500 units um, at, at these two locations. Um, and, and I walked into at least six units when I was out there last week, and um, I didn't see them on the list, and, and I saw some – some, some structural issues, bathroom floors looking like they're about to cave in, molding missing, broken window panes, um, sh- you know, just sharp glass right where a child could reach it, doors that look like somebody just took uh, a battering ram to them, um, 
holes around the the deadbolts. You could hear the wind whistling through the locks around the around the trim on the door. So um, I'm not a housing inspector. I haven't been trained. Um, I've seen the checklist that HUD follows as well as the city, um, and it looked like some of the boxes could have been checked for for deficiencies on a lot of these apartments. Yeah, this is like a clear case of nobody caring. Um, you know, you know, we've done um, um, our due diligence, um, and you know, D is on a lot. Well, she's not online anymore, I don't think. But you know, D has went to all these departments, all these departments um, say, "Oh, that is crazy, that is unacceptable," and then say, "But that is not our job." Um, and you know, this is this is at some point in time, it's not about it being your job. It's about, you know, people living in human, inhumane conditions and, and do you care or not? Um, and there's a lot of people, um, you know, I don't know for sure, but I'm just going to say there's a lot of people being paid to not care. Um, that's the only way I can look at it. You're being paid and these people are living in substandard conditions. Um, and it's your job to ensure that they don't, um, which for me is you're being paid not to care. And that's what, that's what I see here. What would you say to someone who's listening who doesn't live in these two apartments but have a similar conditions or you've said it throughout the city that, that, you know, there are these folks are not alone. And so what would you say to that person? What do they need to do? I mean, how can they better their condition? Oh, they need to join a tenant union. They need to, they need to call. Uh, they need to email freedom at the freedom block, F-R-E-E-D-O-M at T-H-E-F-R-E-E-D-O-M. B-L-O-C dot org. Um, I say they want to start a tennis union. Um, uh, we don't only organize, um, low income apartments. We low, in, we, we organize low income communities. We try to organize in the 10 block radius. Um, so if you have landlords or slumlords in your 10 block radius, you can start a union in your 10 block radius. That 10 block radius normally also, um, dictates your precinct. Um, so you're also organizing inside of your precinct, which gives you leverage in every election. Um, um, but this is a, you know, as I stated in, in, in my opening statements, um, this is a country that is owned by landowners. So land owners, property owners, they pay, they, they're supposed to pay the city to register, um, their, their property. Um, but they also are organized. And when things like this come up, they organize and go talk to city council as residents, as tenants, um, we have to start organizing against that entity. Um, and when we do that, we can we can create laws, we can create a tenants bill of rights to ensure um, that that developers aren't coming in and taking advantage of low income people, that the market is not dig, digni- um, dictating what people pay for rent, dictating what what houses go for a certain community, that the people um, are dictating those things. And so if you want to start a union, if you're going through these things, give us a holler, give us a holler. John, what would you add? I mean, I, I, I guess I think something logically like starting a paper trail, right? I mean, you know, start not just calling, but documenting mm-hmm. uh, pictures or, or even demanding written acknowledgments that perhaps of complaints might, might be a good idea for someone. Yeah, I think all those are, are good ideas. I think the, you know, it, it's, it's just fundamental that, that if you, you want to better your situation, you know, you have to be willing to take some action. And, and that's, you know, we've talked to other apartment complexes where there just doesn't seem to be, we can't do it all. Ray can't do it all. Legal aid can't help everybody. But if you're really interested in trying to improve the situation and you're willing to put the time in, then you should give uh, the Freedom Block a call. You can give Legal Aid a call. We, we have our, 
our neighborhood law project um, line is is open to taking calls for for groups that want to organize and and um, you know we we can get you in touch with Ray we can talk about your situation do an evaluation uh, but you know it's those fundamental things that you talked about Craig about you know keeping notes and and you know realizing I think the, the important thing for people to take away from this is that there's a movement here and if you're willing to be part of that you want to stand up for your rights your rights of dignity uh, you know, affordable housing, you know, is, is going to be an issue for a long time to come. And so if you're in a situation where renting is, is where, uh, you are at and, and if, um, if things aren't going well, then, uh, you know, take some action and, and there are people in the community willing to help. Well, I want to thank everyone for joining us today. We just about ran out of time, although I do want to do this caveat that maybe we'll reconvene and, and have good news in the coming months. But I do want to also say that, that folks should continue, and I'm just not a shameless plug, but you know, it will be to read online, the Beacon Journal or in our apps and all that, because there are, this is a developing story. So, so things may change and also, you know, to, to keep up in this topic that if the management company does also weigh in more. So, so we, we encourage folks to, uh, to continue to, to check our websites. So thank you all. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. That's all we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday or thereabouts, wherever you download your favorite podcasts, and also available on BeaconJournal.com and our various apps. Before we go, we have to thank our producer, BJ Lisko, for putting this all together and making us sound reasonably well. And I urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, you have my heartfelt thanks. Until next week, now you know, Akron.